Father, we just thank you. Such an awesome God. What a privilege, O Lord, to worship you and to praise you. Oh, Father, this morning we just come to your throne of grace. To sit at your feet and to learn from you. Father, speak to us this morning. Speak to us, not not through the voice of man, but your voice. Through my voice. Father, anything which is not of God, let it just fall to the ground. Not of man, not of not of uh, which is of 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 man. Let it fall to the ground. Let us which is of God. Let it stand this morning. Speak to us. Speak to us. Anoint us. We need to hear your voice, Lord, even in these last days. Therefore, circumcise our ears. Circumcise our hearts. Circumcise our lips. Let us be wholly set apart for you. Speak to us once again this morning, O Lord. We beseech thee, O Lord, speak to us. We need to hear your voice. Not cleverly constructed arguments, but that anointed speech which demolishes every argument, which goes beyond the soul and speaks to the spirit of man. Father, we need that word, Lord. Not clever ideas, not clever thoughts, not human wisdom, not not human conjectures, not human opinions about what your word might mean, but a word which is quickened by the Holy Spirit. Truly the word of Christ. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, not the word of man. This morning, Father, let your anointing come forth over the speaking and the hearing of this word. Father, let it demolish every argument which contradicts the truth of the word of God. Oh, Father, have mercy upon us and speak to us this morning. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness and speak to us continuously for in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to first, second Timothy chapter three and verse one. Uh, one, one onwards. But this, but know this that in the last days perilous times will come. Next verse, for men will be lovers of themselves, etc. We're looking at perilous times. We are in perilous times. We are in the last days. Perilous times, fierce times, times of increasing demonic activity, where the man of lawlessness is slowly being revealed we are literally living in the times of the Antichrist. Many 
not the Antichrist maybe, I'm not sure, but at least in that spirit of the age where there is a tremendous opposition to the word of God and to the people of God. We we are living in those times. And uh, we've been studying as to what kind of an attitude we should or we should not have so that we can negotiate during these days and end up on the positive side of eternity. The last days. And therefore this morning, even as we continue our study, uh, yesterday we looked at uh, um, the attitude of Reuben. Okay, a man of unbridled appetites of the body, of the flesh, a man of the flesh, a man who had a tremendous position but squandered it all because he did not exercise authority over his own life. And he gave himself to appetites, unbridled appetites, ungodly appetites, and therefore he lost his birthright. Food for the stomach and stomach for the foods, God will destroy both it and them, is what First Corinthians chapter 6 will say. It also says bodies for the Lord and not for sexual immoral- immorality. And whoever sins, any sin which we commit is outside the body, but whoever commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. We looked at these two things, two appetites, the food, food part and the other part. So, and we understood <coughs> that, that uh, as Paul enjoins us, that he beats his body to subjection because he's after a price. And we don't want anybody to steal our crown. We want to guard our hearts uh, and guard our lives and guard our faith so that we can be overcomers and one day we will inherit what God has for us. So today this morning we will continue in that study uh, in Genesis chapter 49 and let's read from verses 1 to 7 uh, to get things into perspective. And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I might tell you what shall befall you in the last days. You see that? That's a, that's precisely the reason why we're studying um, these attitudes. Because perilous times are coming in these last days. And we want to have attitudes which God commends. And we want to destroy all those attitudes and get rid of those attitudes which which will not be helpful for us to negotiate this real difficult period. And he Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. <coughs> father. Let's move on. And verse uh, th- uh, 3. Uh, this is uh, Reuben. You are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of my dignity, and the excellency of my power. Unstable as water, though, you shall not excel. Previous verse. Because you went up to your father's bed, you defiled it, he went up to my couch. So we understood at least in some sense, the the Rubenic attitude and how to deal with that, how to exercise self-control. And we know that God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind, self-control. First, Corinthians, First Peter chapter 4 verse 7, don't have to turn there, it says, be sober-minded and be self-controlled because of your spirits. And one of the ways that you can be in your right mind is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn of Him. It is not important just to be delivered from your from, from demonic 
oppression. It is important for you to walk in your deliverance and continue that deliverance. To have the spiritual, what do you say, the, the, the immune system in order to ward off all the demonic activity of the spirit and of the flesh. That is the reason why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Getting rid of all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Both is important. And so, so that, so that we can be of a right mind, so that we can walk in our deliverance. It's not just be important to be delivered from our sin, it is also important for us to not to sin and not to give space to the evil one. So this morning we will look at two other, actually together. I didn't put it, God put it. Let us read from uh, Genesis chapter 49 verse 5 onwards. Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let me not, let not my soul enter in their, into their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger, anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Kya baat hai? Stop there. Food and sexual appetites are connected with the body. Anger is connected with your soul. At least to a certain level. Anger is something which is, it's like jealousy, envy, anger. These are all emotions. Okay. Anger sometimes is expressed and sometimes suppressed. Jealousy, envy, these are like, yesterday we looked at jealousy, see, um, Ruben's thing was outward, <laughs> anger and jealousy and envy are inward, it's not very, it's not, it's not, okay, you can confess of maybe, uh, you know, repent of your sexual sin or whatever sin that you've committed in the body, but it's very difficult to confess jealousy, for example, let's say I'm jealous of, of Peter, how do I go and Reconcile that. It's very difficult, no? Envy and jealousy, they make us cheap. Right? They make us look so, what do you, what do you call, um, um, ungenerous. Okay? It's below your dignity. I mean, if somebody comes and says, you are jealous of me. Or, uh, I'm, it's very difficult. It's not easy to confess that. It's a very, very difficult and a subtle sin. Or a subtle attitude. But this morning we are not looking at envy and jealousy, we are looking at anger. Okay. Very, very powerful emotion. Expressed in both men and women. It's there. Okay. But, let us look at what Bible has to talk about anger first. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, if you have the KJV only. If you can, please. KJV 26 and 27. Okay. Be ye angry and sin not. Okay. Colin. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Colin. Neither give space to the devil. Full stop. I like that. That's a very interesting kind of construction. Okay. Okay, this is your, I think, Textus Receptus. That is the translation which the KJV Bible uses. Uh, be ye angry and not, and not sin. So he's defining it. Okay, you should be angry, but you should not sin. When do you sin? 
when you let your sun go down on your wrath. Okay, but and then it gives a call in. It says, if you do not deal with that, what happens? You will give what? Space to the devil. It's remarkable. We should be angry, therefore, according to scripture, but we should not allow it to lead us to sin. James chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. And 20 19 and 20. Yes, I, I, stay in KJV, don't worry, okay? So then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, and verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay, it's a very interesting verse. So, so what does scripture recommend about anger? Tim Keller puts it very interestingly, okay? He says, not no anger, not blow anger, but slow anger. I like that. Okay. This is when I, uh, Tim Keller was doing a studies on Proverbs. He's, he makes a very interesting commendation. He says, not no anger, not blow anger, but slow anger. I, I think it was very interesting. See, if you are not angry, that means you are a person who is dead, basically. See, when you look at unrighteousness going on in the society, and if you don't get upset and angry about it, that means you are a person who is absolutely apathetic to the situations around you. What is apathy? Somebody asked this question to somebody. You know, what is apathy? Do you know the meaning of apathy? He said, I don't know, I don't care. <laughs> okay. So, scripture recommends not no anger, not blow anger, but Slow anger because that is the anger of God. He is slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. But, you know, it's a simmering thing. Slowly simmer, 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 simmer. And one day, pressure cooker, but it is slow. It is there. Okay, it's there. So he doesn't, he doesn't immediately lower the boom. Okay, he doesn't steamroll us instantaneously. See, that, that is essentially the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or of God or of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from uh, from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, so what is the gospel? Gospel is to save yourself from the wrath of God. There is a wrath. There is an anger of God. Bible says God is a God who expresses his anger every day. Okay. Sinners in the hands of an angry God by Jonathan Edwards. I mean, I don't want to recommend that. Please, don't read it now. Okay? Not recommended. If you are a young believer, don't no, no, not recommended. Later on, I will recommend. Okay? Because th- th- those, those kinds of things will just... Uh, he'll, he will hammer you. So, wait. Okay? Just wait. Hold on. When you are ready, we will let you know when you can read it. I read it, read it much, much later in life. Okay? Uh, anyway. So, there is, a, there, is, there is a wrath of God which is being revealed from heaven. And that wrath of God is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. But notwithstanding the fact that he is angry, he didn't, he also gave us an escape as to how we can escape his anger. In his anger, he remembered what? Mercy. 
So, God is a person who says, I am angry. But my anger is constrained. Okay. I show mercy. See, I, I tell you what mercy is. Mercy is restrained anger. Anger under absolute control. You have every justification to slay that person and punish that person, but you still don't do it. Restrain yourself. So, one of the most important questions, and remarkably, one of the first questions that God asks outside the Garden of Eden to the fallen man is, anybody knows? Why are you angry? Isn't it remarkable? See, the first question outside the garden, that means fallen, fallen man was an angry man. Right? If you turn to Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, and uh, sorry, for, for, for verses 6 to 7, and leave it on in KJV, okay? Leave it in KJV. And I'll, I want you to look at certain very interesting um, pronouns. What did I say? Pronouns, okay? Very interesting pronouns. Even pronouns are very important in the Bible. Hmm? And the Lord said to Cain, why art thou wroth or angry? And why is your countenance fallen? The first question, why are you angry? So if you're able to answer that question, then it's okay. So every day God will come and express, he says, I will, he will ask you a question. Today, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Why is your face like that? Okay. Why are you like this, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? And then verse 7 he says, If thou doest well, shall not thou be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And I want you to pay attention to the pronouns now. And unto thee shall be his desire. Kya baat hai? It's not its desire. All your other translations will use the word it. It's it his desire and thou shalt rule over him. Oh my goodness, that is interesting. So he's not, he's, he's literally personifying sin. Satan is a person. Sin is also a person. And what is it doing? Sin is crouching at the door. That, that is the reason why it's got an attitude. It's got a personality, right? If it is just a, if it's just an it, who's that it, Baba? Okay. The lion is at the door means I'll follow. He's a he's a person, he's got a he's got a gender. He's a, he, similarly here, sin lieth at the door. So he's giving the personification. I mean he's, he's he's giving a personality to sin. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter five, don't have to turn there. As through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, for all have sinned. Okay, so that particular person's sin is just not any it. Okay, it's it's a person. And Jesus is saying, do me a favor, you should be angry but you should not sin. If you are not able to answer this question, why are you angry? What is lying at the door? Sin is lying at the door. It's desire. His desire is for you but you should master him. In other words, you have to have dominion over sin and that is exactly God's heart for fallen man right from the beginning. That you shall have dominion over sin. Sin shall not rule over you but you shall rule over sin. So if you are not careful, 
with this anger. And if you do not have the reason for your anger, who is lying at the door? Sin is lying at the door. So that is the reason why if you don't, you don't, again don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 5 will say, if you are angry with a brother without a cause, there should be a cause. And you, you're angry at his, you're not angry at his brother, you're angry with something else at your, in, in a brother. We will talk about that later on. What it is. So look at what a Bible has to say about the negative aspects of anger and the positive aspects, different different verses to see what we can, uh, we, what we can get, uh, what what kind of lessons we can learn uh, from the Bible. Let's see uh, Ecclesiastes chapter seven verses eight and nine. <clears throat> uh, and if you can just go back to NKJV, it's fine. Okay. Now from now on, you can just stick to NKJV. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools that means oh boy look at this anger rests okay 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 very important is your life a resting place for anger it says god's anger is for a what for a moment and what about yours It's very important for us to understand. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. And I want you to underline that word spirit. Okay, we'll come back to that later. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. That means if you are a fool, you are a nice person where anger can completely happily stay there. Basically. It's an attitude, as I said. It's a person. Okay, give it a personality. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 17 and verse 29. Both verses we'll look at. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Okay, quick-tempered man acts foolishly. In other words, if you're quick-tempered, you will always act like a fool. Okay. So, hot-tempered man, if you have mukkumida kopam, a bow. Sorry, what mukkumida kopam? Chala manchod, abba. That fellow has his anger on his nose, but he's a very nice fellow. How is it possible? You're a fool, basically. You will act foolishly. You will say things which you are not supposed to say. You will do things which you are not supposed to do. Verse 29. He who's slow to anger, as I said. See, it is not no anger. Look at this. As I said, it is not no anger. It is not... Blow anger, it is slow anger. That is what not, I, I didn't say that, I copied it from Tim Keller. So Tim Keller, sir, please, uh, I've referenced you. I'm on YouTube, so otherwise don't give me some copyright loss now, okay? Uh, <laughs> he who is, no anger, blow anger, it is slow anger. See, he who is slow to anger has great understanding. Pah! How do you know that you have tremendous understanding? That means you are really, really slow to anger. You don't come to conclusions very quickly. You give it time. Your, you know, sudden facts are just thrown at your table. How come that fellow can do this? Ah, 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 hold on, hold on. Hold on. That is the reason why he, whoever states a cause first, always seems to be right until somebody else comes and cross-examines it. Ah. Hmm? So, another verse. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 18 now. <clears throat> Showing you several verses. Now, no big deal. 
Okay, a wrathful man or an angry man always stirs up strife. So wherever you have strife or contention, you have angry people. Okay, if you've seen the movie 12 Angry Men, Okay, it's a beautiful movie to see. I don't know if you've seen that. Okay, one of the best in from from at least from that studios. No, very very fantastic. One twelve angry men. Everybody is prejudiced except one fellow. And the situation that has come into their lives is to reveal what is there in their hearts. I mean, it's a very interesting um, storyline. Okay, one fellow, he, he's, he's, he's slow to anger. He says, why are we so quick to send him to the gallows? And, you know, they all have their own justification. Ah, you know, this, uh, this, but all have their own prejudices. One fellow, his son betrays him and therefore he's angry with another fellow's son. So he wants to send him to the gallows. What he wanted to do with his son, he wanted to do with this fellow. No, he's caught him. That is how so many, so many people are. They're messed up in their own lives and they take their anger to, on somebody else. Another guy, he has prejudices. He looks down upon people with lesser privilege. Another guy has another privilege. He, he, uh, another prejudice. He looks down upon guy with a greater privilege. So everybody's heart is actually revealed in that movie. If you see that, it's a very interesting movie. But one guy is a one guy who is actually slow to anger. But you see, a wrathful man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger allays contention. You see, it is not no anger, it is not blow anger, but it is slow anger. The next verse is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Okay, 16.32. Again, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Wow, what a superb. It's a very interesting poem in Telugu. You know, it says, You know, if you, I mean, so the thing is that, there's a guy who's really strong and mighty, he looks very strong and mighty, but if you think, a guy who's righteous is more stronger than him. Okay, a righteous man is more stronger than him. He says, he who's slow to anger, why? Be quick to speak, I mean, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, because the wrath of man does not produce the... Ah, you see, this is the, that's the whole, whole idea here. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. That means you have self-control. Again, it comes to self-control. There you have self-control in terms of appetites, you have self-control in terms of anger. Okay, next verse. Uh, it's found in uh, Proverbs, just hold on. Proverbs 17, verse 27. I love this. This is one of my favorite Proverbs again. Um, 17, 27, bro. Okay. He who has knowledge spares his words. You know what my, my translation says? A man of knowledge restrains his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. And you know, my translation, let me read it for you. A man of knowledge restrains his words and a man of understanding keeps a cool head. Have you seen people with a cool head? Because it doesn't matter how many people come and come and, you know, provoke them. They are absolutely unperturbed. The person who is absolutely cool amongst all kinds of situations was Jesus, no? They bring him, that woman caught in adultery, bring her. And they put her near Jesus and say, this woman 
was caught in the act. What do you have to say? Cool. Skin scribing on the, and then looking at them and with a cool head. Whoever is without sin, no problem, please cast the first one. Finished. Everybody is disarmed. One word from a cool head. Okay. So tension should not be there. Don't take tension too much. Okay. So if you, <laughs> Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11. Uh, this is another one of my favorite Proverbs again. 1911. Um, okay. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. Beautiful, no? You're discreet. You know what is going on. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. Beautiful. Look at what my translation says. A man's inside gives him patience. Okay. He's slow to anger. A man's insight gives him patience. Okay, man's insight. Meaning, really, if you want to know a man who's in, who's insightful, gives him patience. Like, for example, uh, you know that that situation when the first uh, judgment that Solomon gives. Uh, two prostitutes come, no? Okay, it's very interesting. This he, he says, she's my, she's mine, she's mine, she's mine. Okay, he says, okay, you are saying that this baby is yours. This this person says the baby is yours. Okay, fine, I'll do one thing. You ask, you are asking me for justice. I'll do one thing. Get us, get me a knife. Cut the baby into two. You take half. You take half. Wow. It's a, it's a cool head, huh? And then immediately, the person whose baby. I mean, so it's like half plus half is not equal to one, basically, you know. Okay, it's uh, this, is, this is a very interesting mathematical statement over there. <laughs> okay, half individual plus half individual is not equal to full individual. You cannot divide. And gives him patience, gives him insight. Okay, a man's insight gives him patience. And it is glory to overlook an offense. You see, really beautiful verse. Okay, and I think that's what, you go go back to the previous translation also. Okay, uh, 1911, I think NKJV only. A discretion of a man gives him, makes him slow to angry, anger, and his glory is to overlook an offense, a transgression. You might look, a lot of people might offend you. But you know what? You're able to look into people's life, and you're able to say, you know why she's angry, or why he's angry? Because of these situations in her life. You keep yourself in those people's shoes. And then, the moment you are in those people's shoes, you begin to judge yourself and you say, you know what, if I was in this same situation, maybe I would have been worse than what he or she is. See, because we always, uh, um, we have, we, we want, we want to do good to others as long as they could do good to us. It doesn't work. So the question I want to ask, is today, do we have insight into situations? Are we so quick to judge others without insight into the matter? In other words, are we shallow? Do we have depth? Amazing, no? You're able to see through a particular thing and go to the cause. Do we have depth? Do we have discernment? into spiritual things especially and therefore we are not quick to come to conclusions about things that we know so little about and ultimately if you are not careful we will be judged to be fools 
to keep a cool head in all circumstances is what we really need in these last days. Because there will be tremendous times of pressure. But to keep a cool head. What, what a man Apostle Paul was, right? Right in the middle, ship is being tossed about from all directions and in the midst he hears from God and he says, you are going on to the other side. All these souls have been entrusted into your hands. He stands in the midst of the people. He says, the angel of the Lord was sitting next, uh, came beside me and she said, none of you will perish. Now eat. And he's going to have a service right in the midst of a storm. Cool head. Cool head in the midst of a storm. You know why? Simply because he had insight into the situation. But he also knew where he was going because he had God with him. So scripture recommends only one attitude. Slow anger, not no anger, not blow anger. Why? Because it's got to do with God's righteousness. It's got to do with God's ways. My righteous shall live by faith. So we also get angry by faith. Simple. Because our anger should produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, you also get angry by faith. Because when you get angry by faith, you will have the zeal to uphold God's righteousness and not your own. For example, Numbers chapter 20, verse 9 to 12. Numbers chapter 20, verse 9 to 12. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, from the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him and Moses and and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them here now you rebels must we bring water for you out of this rock then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank Look at the next verse. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. You see that you did not have? What? You did not believe me? You did not have faith. Simple. You did not have, you did not believe me to hallow me or to represent me as holy in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. You did not believe me. That was Moses' problem. He looked to the left. He looked to the right. He did not look up. Kachak. Finished, gone. He murdered. And he hid them into the sand. So that's the problem. You did not believe me. Okay. You wanted to bring del- deliverance to Israel your way. You have to uphold my righteousness, not your, your, not your anger. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God demands. Very important for us to realize. So also we need to understand that if you are not, if you are not careful, we also give space to the devil. And let me tell you something. If you are not careful with our anger issues, okay, it can become demonic. Okay, now go back to the KJV. Okay, and read from Luke's Gospel chapter 9, verses 51 onwards. Okay, and if you have every any other translation, my God, uh, you would miss this whole thing. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now Jesus, Jesus is going to Jerusalem and he's, he was going to be killed. Okay, He steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem. Let's move on. And he sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But 
verse 53, and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. He, I mean, Samaritans were like, oh, if you want to go to Jerusalem, why do you want to come here? And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did? Next verse. Look at this. Very very, very, very important statement. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of what? Spirit you are of. You see, anger is a spiritual thing. If you are not careful with anger as an emotion, what will happen is, it will be taken by the devil and you will have the spirit of anger in your life. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You see, this is such a powerful thing, isn't it? Isn't it? It's very straightforward. In, in other words, if you are not careful with anger, you will give space to the devil. Okay? Be angry. Do not sin. Colin. Let not your son go down on your anger. Colin. Neither give space to the devil. Full stop. Important for us to realize this. Very, very, very important, my dear brothers and sisters. Otherwise, you will give space to the devil. What happens? If you do not deal with your anger, sin is lying at the door. It's, it's desire is for you, but you should rule over them. Immediately, he was not able to answer that question. He got angry. He killed his brother. We know that anger leads to murder. And what happens? Immediately, sin has come. And now he's being ruled by sin instead of ruling over sin. So be very careful about with anger. All of us, all of us, all of us, all of us. When I say, uh, you be very, very, very careful, I'm including myself in that you, okay? So what kind of anger can we have? And who was a perfect man who had perfect anger? Answer, Yeshua, okay? Jesus, look at his anger. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3. And let us read from verse 1 onwards. <clears throat> Let's read from verses 1 to 6. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, step forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And then look at this question, uh, this, 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 uh, this verse. But when he had looked around at them, how? With anger being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. So his anger was motivated by what? Grief. Over what? The hardness of their hearts. That is the anger which is allowed. I mean, you look at some people, no? Why do you get angry? Don't you see what you're missing in life? I'm angry at you because I'm grieving over what you're missing out in life. I'm grieving over the fact that you, if you go down this trajectory, you will just miss out on God, on the purposes of God for your life. I'm grieving over your, over, over you, and I'm angry not because I'm angry at you, I'm angry because you do not see that this kind of an attitude is going to destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy your children. That is what should motivate anger. Grieving. Over the hardness of people's hearts. So the question is, we have no right to get angry unless we are grieving. In other words, even if we don't have concern. I have every right to get angry with Abigail. Why? Because I'm concerned for her. I love her so much. 
and I want the best for her. So if I see attitudes in her life which are going to really destroy her, I'm going to be upset about it. And the only way I'm going to express love in that moment is by being angry. See, if I say, oh, I don't care what happens to her. Come on! I'm an evil father. As it is, I'm an evil father whether I give good gifts to children. And if I'm not even concerned, I'm like worse than evil. I'm demonic. Right? So be, understand this. So it, it, it is, it is, you will be, you will be angry with people only when you consider them their, that, 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 that when you consider them your own, that they are, a, that, are, that they are a part of you. You see that some attitudes in their life and you say, you know what, something, I love you so much and this is, don't you see that this is not helping you out in any way? And therefore you're grieved with the hardness of their, of their, of their, of their heart, meaning their attitude, that, they, that their stiff-necked attitude toward a particular, uh, what do you say, uh, attitude in their own lives. And therefore, you're grieving. So he said, he said to the man, look at what happened, what happens? He, sa- he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched out, and his hand was restored as the whole, as, as whole as the other, and then look at what happens, next verse, verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, that he might destroy him or kill him. You see, he was angry with them, at the hardness of heart, he was grieving, but they wanted to kill. Immediately. The word is immediately. In fact, one of the words which keeps occurring in the entire gospel according to Matthew, Mark is the word immediately. Jesus immediately went into the synagogue and taught, immediately help people. You have to be immediately at helping people, not immediately in getting angry at people. Okay. We are very immediate in getting angry. Including me, all of us, we struggle with that. Therefore, whenever we are angry without cause, without these reasons being our motivation factors, what are we doing? We are taking the place of God. And can you any can anybody at any moment be in the position of God? I think not. Romans chapter twelve, verse seventeen to twenty one. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And the next verse. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, what? Live peaceably with all men. So that is exactly what happened with Joseph. Joseph was a man of peace. Absolutely at peace. Have you seen that one guy who always had a cool head? Bah! You know why cool head means? Cool head means you are at rest. You are not agitated. Okay. You are stirred up in your heart, but you are not agitated. You are always in control. You know, that is one thing which I am amazed at Apostle Paul, right? You know, whenever he is confronted with a crowd, no, he says, he is always in control. Hey, you guys, Jews, come here, come here. That's all of you. He just beckons them with their hands and everybody comes around, no? And, yeah, everybody comes around, everybody comes around, no? Everybody comes around. He beckons them with their hands and he's in control and he gives defense. He goes to the, to the courtroom of all these big, big, big shots, the politicians. He is absolutely in control. Cool head. Okay. You see, when you fear God, you don't have to fear anybody. That is the reason why Jesus said, don't be afraid as to what you speak when you're brought before the Council and the synagogues. At that moment, 
the Holy Spirit will give you what to speak. It is not you who is going to speak. It is the Holy Spirit who is speaking through you. And all you need, therefore, is the presence of God in your life. And the presence of God will be continuously in your life when you have your you're pursuing peace with other people and you have holiness with God. Peace with God and peace with man. Clear conscience with God, clear conscience with man. A sensitive conscience. Yesterday, I, I like that illustration about that lady who can, who could uh, sense that, whatever, no? that small stone, 12 mattresses down. Boy, I'm talking about a sensitive conscience. I mean, that tricked me so much and I was like, wow, what a conscience. What a conscience that your conscience is so sensitive. In little, little things, it'll prick you and it'll disturb you. Boy. See, these are, these are attitudes, no? You see, who needs position? We need these attitudes. Yeah, who needs it? He needs, we need all. Position ultimately God will give. Those are permanent positions. These are all temporary. Okay. Yeah, that's what he, that's what, that's what even, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said. Ultimately, he will decide whom to give the position. Okay. All the people in the world are less than nothing. They are con- con- they are con- uh, they're considered as dust. But what do people say whenever they come to the king? Oh, you king, live forever. Bah, Chiranjivi. We have actors and actresses also are calling themselves by that name. Or is only one Chiranjeevi. You know something? If you read the Telugu Bible, there's only one Chiranjeevi. There's a word Chiranjeevi in the Bible also. Okay. Not, but only Yeshua. Okay. Alright. So it says, live peaceably with all men. Verse, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, this is very important. Either you take vengeance, or God takes vengeance. Who can take better vengeance? Kya baat hai? If you take vengeance, ah! If God takes vengeance, that will be perfect vengeance. So refuse to be in the position of God. Let me explain this to you. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 onwards. This is after, you know, the death of Jacob, no? 50 onwards. 15 onwards. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hit. Joseph will hit us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. See, these are all 10 angry men. They thought they included all the other two also into their list. I told you, there'll be one guy in that list who's cool, the cool head. Okay, then don't go home, go back home and see it will angry man. Okay, uh, and waste two and a half hours of your time, please. Uh, so, so, so they sent messengers to Joseph saying they didn't go to Joseph. You see that messengers, Raya Bharam Bambichar. Okay. So they sent messengers to Joseph. Before your father died, he commanded saying, Are Baba, kya baat hai? Before whose father died? Your father died. <laughs> he didn't, they didn't even say, our father died. Can you imagine that? Thus you shall, they know that Joseph had a special place in his father's heart. You guys never had a special place in your father's heart. You know why? Because you were never zealous for his name. 
revealing for all. It's a revealer. All these little, little things, details in the Bible, it reveals our own heart. Are we jealous for God's, God's name? Do we have a relationship with Jesus? Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil against you. Now please forgive the trespass of thy servants, of the God of the, of your father. Can you imagine? Of the God of your father? And Joseph wept and they spoke of, spoke to them. They don't understand Joseph's heart. Okay. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, behold, we are your servants. And look at what Joseph says. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. First he says, don't be afraid. Second, he says, am I in the place of God? He refuses to take the place of God. And on, just because he's not taking the place of God, he's not going to confess the fact. He says, yes, as for you, you meant it for evil. I'm not going to condone your act and your, and your attitude. No, you fellows, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it, as, as it is this day to save many people alive. Okay, so stop taking the place of God. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So don't take the place of God. So whenever you're angry and you you will take the place of God, and that is a very, very big shoes to fill. You know, sometimes, you know, when people say, this person is going to take over that person, oh, such huge shoes to fill. Because the standards are so high, will he be able to reach up those up to those standards? No. When human be human beings can cause so much of trauma in your life that you will not be able to fill their shoes, how much more God? Okay. So don't take the place of God. So that is by way of introduction for today's sermon. Okay. So this is. This is the, these are the attitudes we should, which we should be very careful about anger. So, what, what did I say? Bible does not recommend no anger or blow anger, but it definitely recommends slow anger. Alright. So let us go back now to Genesis chapter 49 and let us read from verse 7 on, 6, uh, 5 onwards, 5 onwards. Genesis chapter 49, verse 5 onwards. <clears throat> okay. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Full stop. Just stop there for a minute. Okay, by the way, when Joseph is pronouncing this quote-unquote blessing, why is it a blessing? I'll tell you why it is a blessing. It is a blessing because he is showing their hearts. And when people actually tell you what your what is there in your heart and what kind of a spirit you are motivated with, it is a good thing. It is not a bad thing. When people come and say, "Richard, this is I this is what I believe this Lord is saying about you. Your attitude in this area is bad. How how dare you tell me that?" Or he can say, "Thank you for showing me that. You've been such a blessing to me." That is the reason why he says, faithful are our wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are our wounds of a friend. So, Joseph is actually blessing Simeon and Levi. I'll tell you why it is a blessing. It's a blessing because he's telling the true condition of Simeon and Levi. Who are Simeon and Levi? Simeon and Levi, he says, are brothers. First thing I want to ask myself this question. Who is your brother? Who is that person who is the influencing voice in your life? 
There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, there are there are voices. You nobody lives in an oasis. I'm sorry, in a, in, a, in, a, in an island, we are all connected. We don't have opinions of our own. Yes, we might have opinions, of, but there are certain things in our lives who's actually, you know, strengthening those opinions and influences uh, and influencing our decisions. So the question is, who is your brother? Who is that person who's influencing you? Who's watching your back? <laughs> when you do good or when you do bad? Who is that who causes you to get angry without cause? You know how people stir up? How can he be so uh, ungrateful to you? How much you did for that person? Don't you know? Yeah. You've given your life to that person. Is this the way he treats you? That was Ahithophel to Absalom. You deserve the throne. After all, you are the firstborn. Look at, look how well qualified you are. You know something? Your spiritual life and your ministry is determined or you can Judge your spiritual life and your ministry by the kind of co-workers you have. Whom you work with most often than not tells you what kind of a person you are. Who are your co-workers? 1 Corinthians 3.9 We are gods. Who are we? Paul, Apollos. We are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Turn to 1st Corinthians, uh, sorry, uh, 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1. Okay. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians of God in God and Jesus. You see the kind of co-workers Paul had all the time. Who's Paul and what? Who was Paul and Silvanus? Silvanus is that other name for Silas, who got beaten up by those people and who never left Paul. Who is Timothy? Timothy is a faithful son of Paul, who Paul could trust with his life, whom Paul could trust with the church, whom Paul could entrust the church into his hands. And he would say, I have found no other person like Timothy who will naturally care for your well-being. Okay, Everybody else seeks their own, but and not the things which concerns Christ. But Timothy is not like that. Timothy is not like that. So, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, you see, your ministry is defined by the kind of co-workers who work with you. Who are your co-laborers? Very important. My goodness, I, I, I tell you, you know, uh, every church for that matter, every church for that matter, you see the kind of co-laborers who are working with you. You'll know what kind of a ministry the church is. It's often like that. 
you know the inside. In the, you look at the people who are working together to build that body of Christ in that place. You look at those two people or three people or whatever the the, uh, the kind of people who are who are building the church and who are uh, uh, ensuring that the church gets gets established. You will know what kind of a ministry that ministry is. It's interesting that Simeon and what Levi are brothers. And look at look at this. What what is the second thing which is mentioned about Simeon and Levi? Let's go back to uh, 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 Genesis forty nine verse seven five verse five. Simeon and Levi are brothers. What is in their hands? Instruments of cruelty is in their dwelling place. Boy, instruments. You know the word instrument can also be rendered as weapon. Weapons of cruelty. Turn to Second Corinthians. Chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. Let us read this carefully. We, you see that? What is he saying? He doesn't say I. We, that means, Second Corinthians was written by Paul and Timothy. Okay, that's the idea. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. That means we do not put any stumbling blocks in your life. We are very careful. Both Paul and Timothy, when we have come into our midst, we want to be absolutely sure that our the ministry will not be blamed or God's name is not blasphemed because of us. We are very careful as to how we dwell among you and live among you. See, for example, uh, Peter and Sam have, we've lived together for uh, for almost 12 days. You know me. At least to a certain extent. If not completely. You know. And you know, if I've, if, if I've actually put stumbling blocks in your life, or literally, have I really motivated you to follow God? You think, think about that. You know it. You know it. So, how, how I read my Bible? Am I careful about reading my Bible? Am I careful about, uh, spending time with, with God and His Word? Am I careful about what I'm looking at in the iPad, for example? Should I be ashamed of anything? Have I put stumbling blocks where you could say, oh, if pastor does it, I can also do it. <laughs> We give no cause for offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. My goodness, let all of us, my dear brothers and sisters, learn this attitude. Because we have been entrusted with the ministry. We have been entrusted with stewards of the mysteries of God. And therefore, we should not handle the word of God with covetousness. So look at what he says. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. How? Look at this. In much patience. In Tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit. I mean, in sleeplessness, no? You wouldn't believe it. I have never spent so many sleepless nights for my exam than for the word of God these days. Or all my days before I was, since I've been called to full-time ministry. Sleepless nights. I can't sleep sometimes. If I sleep, then I'm, I get tensed. Sometimes I said, boss, this is more difficult than, than I would have been happy and 
at my, what do you say, uh, in my zone, if you will, if I was in a secular place. In sleepless nights, in labors, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by Holy Spirit, by sincere love. And then he says, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the instruments of righteousness on, on my left hand and on my right hand, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true and like as unknown and as well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and possessing all things yet. Oh, Corinthians, we have openly spoken to you. Our heart is wide open to you. Wow! He says, what are the instruments we have? We have the instruments of our of righteousness on our left hand and our right hand. And what do Simeon and Levi have? Instruments of what? Cruelty. Cruelty. You know, the word instrument is also you. Weapon. Do you have instruments of righteousness? The greatest instrument and weapon is your jeeb. That is the reason why he says, some speak words like swords. I mean, you always want to hurt. You know, there's some element of sarcasm there. Think about it, my dear brothers and sisters. If you were to uh, take a just of all the words that you have spoken in the past one week, or let's say yesterday, how many of it were positive words to edify others? You spoke to your wife, for example, or your children. They are closest to you. Then to the brother or sister in the church. No words, no? Cut, 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 cut. We always want to cut. Now it's not that you should not cut. Cut and you also heal, right? Look at what it says in Romans chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. Uh, before we come, we, we, before we come there, before we come there, we'll, we'll go, we'll go back to, uh, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 and then we'll, we'll come, come to this. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. I'll come to this later on, okay? Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. <clears throat> Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So either you have a fruit which leads to life or fruit which leads to death. You cannot escape. You make your words and ultimately the words will make you. Okay. Now in order to understand this entire uh, prophecy or, 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 or blessing if you want to call it to Simeon and Levi, we need to understand the context. Obviously, there's a context. What is the context? Turn to Genesis chapter 34. And let's read from verse, just read, let's, we'll, we'll uh, look at parts of the chapter. First, let us read verses 1 to 3. First, let us read verses 1 to 3. Let us draw a few lessons from here and then we will go to back to the prophecy of uh, or the blessing of uh, Simeon and Levi. Now, Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob, went to see the daughters of the land. 
okay <laughs> so now look uh, this is very interesting okay um leah was leah had six boys and one daughter okay uh, ruben simeon levi judah issachar zebulun six boys and then dina dina was the last uh, child she she bore for jacob so dina means what i have born six boys seventh is completion seventh is dina seven means dina means what comes from two words dan okay which means judgment okay, dina means the one who's been vindicated now have been vindicated okay so who are the vindicated ones who have been who are the judged ones on earth now church right we have passed from judgment into life by believing in jesus let me tell you I'll turn to john's gospel chapter 3 <coughs> excuse me john's gospel chapter 3 and the last two verses i'll tell you the exact verse for you please john's gospel chapter 3 just let me find it for you uh, in my Bible, John's Gospel chapter 3 and the last two verses. It says in verse number uh, 35 and 36. Okay. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. That means we all, all of us who are part of the church have believed in the son, the son of God. And therefore we have passed from death into life and we will not be con- called into what? Judgment. We are already being judged in the sun. And he who does not be, uh, believe in the sun shall not see life, but what remains upon him? The wrath of God abides on him. So who is, what is Dina signifying here? The one who has been vindicated. A picture of the church. Okay, now let's go back to Genesis chapter 34. See, all typologies over here, no? Now Dina, the vindicated one, the one who has been, who has passed judgment, if you will, went out to see the daughters of the land. Now, the word land here is very interesting, which, which comes from the word earth, arets. So, Dina went out to see the daughters of the earth. The sons of God saw the daughters of the, of men. Okay. So what is, what is, what is Dina doing therefore? She is getting attracted and finding company with the people who are connected to earth. We are not earthly people anymore. We are heavenly people living on earth. Calling all the earthly people to live with us in heaven. We are seated together, it says in Ephesians, together with Christ in the heavenly places. We are not earthly, we are not earthbound anymore. Okay, we are sojourners. So, Dina is that one person who is a picture of the church, who is the vindicated one, who is walking with the daughters of the land. Okay, let's go back to Genesis chapter 34. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hevite, again, Shechem means shoulder, Hamor means he donkey. <laughs> you see that? The Hevite. Prince of the country saw her. Where are you? In Shechem. Who brought you to Shechem? Jacob brought you to Shechem. What did he do in Shechem? He put tents. It's called Sukkot. 
tabernacles and he dwelt there. Where did God ask you to go? Bethel. Where did you come and settle down? Shechem. And when you come and settle down in Shechem, what will happen? This is what is going to happen. Your daughter will get attracted or will attract the son of a donkey. Notwithstanding the fact that he is a prince of the country. He saw her, took her, lay with her, violated her. This is what is going to happen. Daughters of Zion have to be very careful. Oh, I just went on a trip to see what is going, what is there in the mall. 316 Isaiah. There are several 316s in the Bible. Isaiah 316 is for the, for the daughters of Zion. What does it say? Moreover, the Lord says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes. Walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Ah! You should, you should see the, the kind of fashionable, fashionable apparel that the daughters of Zion wear, no? Bonnets and mascaras and the, and the mirrors and the, and the, and the clips and the, and the, and the this and the that. Oh my goodness. Isaiah has a list of things in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the wardrobe of the daughters of Zion. What is she doing? Walking with outstretched necks and wanton eyes and walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. And what is going to happen? Ching, 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 and vinadu. Yoda, ammai, aipayani, Let's go back to Dina. So this is the problem here. And, and, and when Shechem, the son of Hamath, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dina, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. This is not love. If you really loved her, you would not violate her. This is all false love. So if you ever somebody says that I love you and he's trying to violate, he's trying to run for your life. That is not the person whom you, who loves you. If a person who really, really loves you, my dear sisters, in the Lord, you know what? He will be looking for your purity, not to violate you. He'll be guarding your purity. He'll be guarding your chastity. He'll be guarding your honor. He'll be guarding your dignity. Not violating them. It's very important. A man is known as to how he behaves with the opposite gender. Very, very, very important. Now what has happened? His soul is strongly attracted to. That comes later. And you are going to mistake it for what? Love. Nonsense it is. Be very careful. Very, 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 very careful. Saying in Telugu, Akochi Mullumidabada, Mullachi Akumidabada, Chirigade, Ake. If a leaf falls on a nail, or a nail falls on, a, on the leaf, the leaf gets torn, not the nail. Very careful. A lot of graphic symbolism over there, but it's the best way to communicate. <laughs> The point. And then what happens? Next verse. Verse 4. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamas, saying, get me this young woman as wife. And then 
Jacob heard that his that he had uh, that he had defiled his daughter Dina. Now he now his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Now this is amazing. I mean, I'm just stunned by the statement. So much written in there. I mean, if you read the entire uh, chapter of Genesis chapter 30, it's literally an insight into a man's bedroom as to how he treated his wives and his concubines. And every child which is named is an indication as to how the husband treated the wife or the how the wife was treated by the husband. Or wife treats the husband. Remarkable. It's total power struggle there. And you know, Bible never whitewashes anybody's sin. It shows the what's and all. See, when you when Bible shows this graphic details, you know this is not written by man. It is written by God. Because nobody whitewashes anybody's mistakes like this. Uh, mistakes, uh, I mean, or exposes or rather honestly shows what is in man's heart like the way Bible does. So Jacob heard that somebody defiled his daughter and he is holding his peace. Why? Important question to think about. So Jacob held his peace until his brothers came. So what happens? Next verse. Then Hamer, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak to him. And the sons of Jacob, who are these Baba? Simeon and Levi, okay? Came in from the field and when they heard it, Reuben is not even mentioned. Reuben is a compromised fellow already. I told you, Reuben has no authority. The sons of Jacob came in from the field and they heard it and the men were grieved, very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter to which they had not ought not to be done. And then what did I do? Just just read it. But Hamer spoke with them saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife and make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourself. That's exactly what the enemy does. It compromises you in one area. And slowly drags the entire other resources into them, into themselves. And look at what it says. Look at, look at what it says. The next verse. So you shall dwell with us and the land before, uh, and the land is, shall be before you. Dwell, trade in it, acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes. Whatever you say to me, I will give. Then ask me ever so much dowry and gift. I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. And he was, it says, the Bible says, uh, he was more honorable than any of the other people over there. Okay. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And look at what it says. And they said to them, we cannot do these things to give your sister, give our sister to the one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. And the first love jihad happens. Oh, you want to marry our daughter? You should get baptized. You want to marry our daughter? You should get circumcised. This is what we call as love jihad. Okay. 
look at the answer. But on one condition, you should be circumcised. Look at the answer. Next verse. I'm just reading through. Then we will give our daughters to you. Huh? And we will take our daughters to us. And we will dwell with you. And we will become one people. But you will not heed to us and be circumcised. Then we will take our daughter and be gone. And that means they saw the weakness of this fellow. And they spoke to that weakness. But that fellow is also very smart. He is honorable but very smart. Look at what he says. So the young man did, did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of the father. He was only more honorable, but he was still the son of a donkey. Okay. Look at what he says. His, his donkey spirit doesn't, doesn't go. The Hamer and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of the city and spoke with the men of the city saying, these men are at peace with us. Aha. Uh-huh. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed the land is, us, is is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us as wives. Let us give them our daughters. And then only on this condition, circumcision, verse 23. Will not their livestock, their property, every animal of theirs be ours. And let us consent to them and they will dwell with us. That is your motivation. What is your motivation? Your livestock, your property, and all that you're of, that is of yours, which God has given, will become now ours. And you know the story. What did what did these fellows do? Simeon and Levi, three days, went, slaughtered everybody there. He didn't even leave the ox. It says. They hamstrung an ox in their anger and took all their plunder. Okay. With deception. One of the things that you need to understand, just you, as we know, no, there is no external conversion into Christianity. He is not a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is not of the flesh it is of the heart by the spirit not of the letter but of the spirit not whose praise is not from man whose praise is from god so it's very important circumcision is of the heart okay circumcision is the heart meaning what your lips are circumcised your ears are circumcised your heart is circumcised all three your ear, your lips, your heart. That means there's no deceit in your lips. There's no guile in your lips. Your lips are completely belonging to God. You only open your mouth when He asks you to open. You're absolutely given to God. That is Uncircumcised lips is talked about, is, is mentioned too in, in, is mentioned in Exodus chapter 6 verse 12. You don't have to turn there. And then you have to have a circumcised ear. Meaning what? My ear belongs to God. And then you have a circumcised heart meaning I have no other affections other than God. My affection is not money. My affection is not possessions. My affection is not even this girl. My affection is God. So what happened? They have used their sword in anger and killed somebody outside. 
And then you know what? Uh, uh, what uh, Jacob says. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 34. 34 and verse 27. No, 20, uh, 30 onwards. 30 onwards. We know that. Okay, we are not going to go to the details. 30 onwards. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi. You see that the brother Simeon and Levi. You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land. My goodness. Why were you there in the first place? You know, so he's saying he's not even concerned about his daughter. That's the problem here. Among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, since I'm a few number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. You're not even concerned about your daughter. And then, you know what he said? Should he treat our sister like a harlot? Now, this is the background with, with which Jacob is pronouncing his what? Blessing upon Levi. Let's come back to, therefore, Genesis chapter 49. Let's, uh, let's read from verse 5 on it. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their tents, are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter into their counsel. What kind of a counsel they had? They had deceptive counsel. The word counsel is secret. They had deceptive counsel. And he says, let not my honor be united with their congregation. They had a congregation too. For in their anger, they slew a man. And in their self-will, they hamstrung an ox. My God. That means a very, very strong, self-willed people. And then verse 7. Cursed be their anger. See, anger is a powerful emotion, as I said. But anger should not be used outside Anger should be used to judge ourselves. And therefore, what is Jacob doing? He's saying, cursed be your anger for it is fierce and their wrath for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now think about it. What, didn't his prophecy come to pass? Do Levites have an inheritance in Jacob, in Israel? No. They are scattered all around Israel. And if you actually read the the, the blessing of uh, if, of uh, Moses on the tribes of Israel, he doesn't even mention Simeon. Simeon is absent. Okay, read the entire uh, chapter in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-three, where he's pronouncing blessing after blessing. Reuben, it starts with Reuben, and the next he jumps to Levi. He circumvents Simeon. No, but he blesses Levi. Now what has happened? You used your anger. You have a tremendous energy called anger. Anger is good. But what did I say? It is not no anger. It is not blow anger. But it is what? Slow anger. What did Simeon and Levi have? Blow anger. Okay. Blow anger. Very important for us. I mean, so this is something which we need to understand. We need to understand you have instruments of what cruelty in your tents and you have used those instruments to destroy somebody else, not to win them over to you. Don't use your instruments outside. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling of strongholds where inside. So how does Levi escape this? Or Simeon escape it? 
How does Levi and Simeon escape this issue? Turn now to Exodus chapter 32. And let us read from verse 25 to 29. Okay? 25 to 29. Now this is after the golden calf is made. Now people saw, or sorry, when, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Next verse. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come. Now, what did he say? Now, that call was to everyone, including Simeon and Levi. Okay? This is the point of reckoning. Okay? This is the point of reckoning. See, I believe, I mean, one man of God says a very interesting thing. He says, rejection was in the consciousness of Levi. He knew that his father somehow pronounced a kind of a curse over their lives and he wanted to get rid of that curse. And he was looking for the opportunity. And now what has happened? The opportunity presented itself. It doesn't say the Levites come out. No. Moses, did he say that? Moses was a Levite. Aaron was a Levite. Did Moses say that? No. Moses said, all who are on the Lord's side, come on. Onto this side. If really Simeon was serious about his restoration, he should have come out. But what did it, what, who comes, who comes out? And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. That is when, now, take your instruments of cruelty, which are in your tents, don't use it on others, use it on your own. He, look at, look, look, look at what it says. And he said to them, thus says the Lord God, let every man put his sword on his side. Go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion and every man his neighbor. Not outside, but inside. You have anger, a very strong emotion, use it on your own flesh, not on outside. And you know what happens. Verse 20. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, consecrate yourselves to the Lord that he may bestow a blessing on the, uh, on your blessing this day for every man has opposed his son and his brother and his sister and his mother and his father and not somebody outside. Now, let us come to Romans chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And next verse. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts, and do not present your, you know, the word members, members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. What is there in your, in your, in your tent? Instruments of unrighteousness. So let, let, let me explain. Your hands are instruments. Your tongue is an instrument. Your eyes are instruments. 
Your ears are instruments. Your legs are instruments. Your skin is an instrument. Everything which is God has given you is an instrument. And God is saying either you can use it as an instrument of cruelty against others or you can use as instrument as an instrument to kill your own flesh. Look at what he says. Present your members as instruments not do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to god as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to god what is there in your tent simeon and levi instruments of cruelty can you change them into instruments of righteousness absolutely how was 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 14 for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are no longer under law but under grace. What are you going to do now? You're going to take your instruments. You're, take, you're going to take your, your tongue first. And you're going to say, Lord, this one, one tongue I used to use to destroy people's lives. Why? Yes, they did so many, so much of harm to me. So I'm going to destroy them. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to use it to bless and not to curse. I'm going to pray for my enemies. Okay. Like, like Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Turn there. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> and the last. <sighs> yeah. It says, Romans chapter 12 and verse, um, uh, verse 17. 17 to 19. Actually, uh, 17, yeah. 17 onwards. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Next verse. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Do not give place to your place to wrath. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. <laughs> if your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is it easy to do? No. But you want the blessing of God? Yes. What do you want? The blessing of God or the curse of God? Remarkable, isn't it? I'm going to scatter you throughout Israel. Meaning, you will lose your identity. And you will see, Simeon is not even there. If you actually uh, read the entire account, Judah absorbs Simeon. If you look at the entire uh, map of of Israel, Judah later on absorbs Simeon and Simeon completely loses its identity in Judah. Thank God for Levite. You know what Lord says about Levite? You will not have any inheritance in Israel. Who's your inheritance? The Lord is in your in your inheritance. And what am I going to do? I'm going to give you cities. Three cities on this side, three cities on this side. So that whenever an avenger of blood is pursuing somebody, he can flee to the city of refuge and that will be the city of the Levites where you will hold on to that fellow and you will protect him. Now instead of killing somebody, what have you become? You have become protectors of people. Instead of killing people, you are going to protect people from the wrath of God. Instead of instead of expressing your wrath upon people, you are going to be people who will be guarding the wrath of God upon from falling on people. That's exactly what happens to Aaron, right? Aaron, Aaron, what has happened? The plague from the Lord has come. Do one thing. Take incense. Take incense and go run in the midst of the camp and stay the plague. And what does Aaron do? Runs, goes into the midst and stops the wrath of God. What has happened? He has taken the instruments of cruelty and has made them into instruments of what? Righteousness. Praise God for that, no? 
So what is the ultimate blessing for Levi? Deuteronomy chapter 33. <laughs> I love this. Let's read from eight verses 8 onwards. Slowly. And of Levi he said, Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One. You know what the other words, other word translation says? Be with your loyal servant. Be with a person who has been consecrated toward you. How? How did he become consecrated to you, toward you? Whom you tested at Masa. Whom you contended at the waters of Meribah. Oh! That's interesting. That's a very interesting detail about, about, about Levi. What's going on over here? The entire congregation of Israel was murmuring and complaining at Meribah and Masa because there was no water to drink. So who were the only tribe who kept who kept quiet? Levi. You know what? They said, Lord, whatever test you put me through, I am going to come through. You contended with them in the waters of Meribah. You contended them. At, you tested them at Massa. You contended them with the, at the waters of Meribah. And then, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them? Beautiful, no? That means he doesn't acknowledge any fleshly relationships at all. Nor did he acknowledge his brothers or his own children. Okay, that's exactly what even sons of Korah did. They did not even acknowledge their own father. (laughs) They ran. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. Two things that is is being mentioned about him. They observed God's word and they've been loyal, kept the covenant of God. What, what What shall they do? They shall teach Jacob your judgments and they shall teach Israel your law and they shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altars. Think, just stop there for a minute. What does it mean? You see, it's very interesting that when they number Israel, they find 600,000 people. They're all people who are armed for battle. What about Levi? They're also numbered. What are they called? You know what they are called actually? If you read your Bible very carefully, they are called the army of Levites. Who's going for war? 600,000 men. Who's actually waging the war? The Levites in the presence of God. Because for Israel, that their defeat, their victory doesn't come because of the strength of their, of their army or the size of their army. Their victory comes because of the because of the prayers and the intercessions and the ministry of the Levites in the tabernacle. So if the Levites are compromised, it doesn't matter how strong their army is, they will be, they'll be destroyed. No, it's exactly exactly what has, what has happened during the time of Eli and Hophni and Phineas. Oh, the Philistines come and attack them. Okay, they said, okay, fine, the Philistines are going to attack us. Oh, we are going to be destroyed. Maybe we'll be defeated. Let's do one thing. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So what did, what were the Levites actually supposed to do? They were supposed to wage battle in the tabernacle. They were compromised. And what happened? 
there was a great shout. Oh, there was a great shout. They said, oh, the ark of the covenant was here and the earth shook and they said, hallelujah, compromised people. And they got defeated lock, stock and barrel. And Hophni and Phineas died. And you know what it says? Hophni's Phineas' wife, or uh, she, she confe- uh, conceives, I mean, she's giving birth to somebody and she calls her son, Ichabod. Chabod means glory. Ichabod means glory of the Lord has departed. Departed from Israel. You were the people who were supposed to guard the glory of God so that victory could come to Israel. But instead of that, you made the glory of God to depart because of your compromise. So what are they supposed to do? They are the people who will teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. Let's go to the previous verse. I like the first part. Verse 8. Or 7 and 8 actually. Yeah. Uh, Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One. Thumim and your Urim means what? These are the things which with you inquire of the Lord. I remember, remember when uh, uh, Nehemiah or Ezra comes back to build the, build the temple, there was a bunch of guys who said, we are also the Levites. You know what, you know what they say? You wait. We are not going to acknowledge you are part of the Levitical priest of, of the order. We are going to, we will do one thing. We will go into the holy place and we will use the Urim and the Thumim to say whether you, whether you can be a part of the priesthood or not. That is what the priesthood is supposed to do. Use Urim and Thumim. Okay. Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa and you contend, contended at the waters of Meribah. There were four tests that the children of Israel had to go through before they entered into a covenant with God at Sinai. You know what the first test was? The first test was at Marah. Okay. The second test was after they leave Elim in the wilderness, they were hungry and they were asked to collect manna six times. Seventh time, so on the sixth day, I was supposed to collect double for the seventh day. Third test was what? At Masa and Meribah. Which was again connected with what? Thirst. Fourth test was what? Just before they entered into a covenant with, with, with the God of Israel, Amalekites have come and attacked them. And Joshua protects them or rather uh, delivers them. There are four tests we all have to go through before we enter into a covenant with God. Or rather God shows us. Okay, And the answer for every of these things is a cross. First is bitterness. What is Mara? Bitterness. Three days journey, God says, you have come to this place and I am going to test you. What is there? Water is there. But it is not sufficient, it is not good enough to drink. So what does God do? Look at one place, there is a tree. Put the tree into the thing and it will be healed and you drink. What is the tree? A symbol of cross. Turn with me to James now. Chapter 3. Are you there? James chapter 3. And let's read from verse 7 onwards. What happens when the when the tree is put into the waters? The waters turn from bitter to sweet. For every kind of beast, I'm reading from verse 7 onwards of James chapter 3. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue, the instrument. 
It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father and with it we curse men. Why do we curse people? Because of bitterness. Okay. Whom we have, who has been made in the similitude or in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing my brother. These things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth what? Fresh water and bitter from the same opening. The question. You know what the, what was a Mara? A test of what is in your heart. Good times come, you bless. Bad times come, you curse. In the From the same heart, what is producing? What is coming out? Blessing and curse. And you, let me tell you something. Like pastor says, right? It is not... Why, 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 why is it coming out of your out of your mouth? Is because it's there. It is there. It is already there. God has put brought you into a situation to expose the bitterness in your heart. And what is the only answer for it? The cross. The second test. Oh, we don't have food. They come to Elim and they enjoy the food at Elim. Okay, seventy palm trees and lot of water. Okay, and then God. Tells, takes them to the next test. Oh, what should we what should we eat? God said, okay, fine. I'm going to test you again. He said that he tested them at Mara, right? I'm going to test you again. What am I going to test you with? Okay, six days you collect. Okay, seventh day you don't collect. You rest. This is what is this is the test for you. Six day you collect, and there's an omer. As much as you want, you collect every day. Sixth day you come collect. Double, seventh day you rest. Sixth day you come collect double, seventh day you rest. So six days you collect. You, the, the people who collected more did not have anything left. People who collected let, left did not have any lack. Now, very interesting. Sixth day comes. How many, how many, how many times, how, how much should they have to collect? Two times more. One man of God gives a very interesting observation. He makes a very interesting observation. Seventh day of rest is coming. Now, if you collect more on the sixth day, will it stink? No, it remains fresh. Okay, manna is for the living word. Seventh day of rest is coming. Sixth day, six days of man is getting over. On which day are we now in? After the cross, sixth day. How much of the word of God are we supposed to collect? Double the word of God. Double. That's exactly what we are doing, morning and evening, so that you can collect Double. Double the word of God so that you can enter into God's rest on the seventh day. And then comes the test at what? Masa and Meribah. What is there? Thirst. Thirst is there. And they complain, what should we drink? You know what that, what, what God says? Do one thing. Take this rod and strike the rock. What is the rock? Who's the rock? The cross again. Manna is again a symbol of cross, right? Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. But he whoever eats the, the food which came down from him, and unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you will not live. Unless you apply the cross in your life, unless you apply the message of the cross in your life, you will not live. Mara, message of the cross. Manna, message of the cross. Meriba and Masa. Now comes the third test. Meriba and Masa. Again, what God says, you know what? Strike the rock and it will give you water. And who's that rock say, uh, says was 1 Corinthians which followed them? Christ. Can you imagine a rock which followed them everywhere? 
40 years in the wilderness, there was one rock which was following them. One rock which followed them in the wilderness. First time you strike it, second time only you speak to it. When Turn to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 7, please. On the last day of the feast. Just a minute, please. Yeah. Uh, where, where Jesus says, on the last, yeah, Ch- chapter 7 and verse 37 to 39. Okay. On the last day of that great feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. And then verse 39, this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him should receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now what has happened? What is glorification? When he has been hung on the cross. What is happening? When when they strike him on the cross, what comes out is his life. Blood and blood and water. And then Jesus says, if you believe in me, out of your uh, belly shall flow rivers of living water. You believe in the cross once. And from the second time onwards, what you don't strike the cross and you don't uh, uh, crucify Jesus the second time. What you do is just speak to him and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask of him and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask from him and say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. How do you fill with your, fill you, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit? But continuously come, coming under anointed teaching. He who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, how does he do it? By the working, by the works of the law or by the hearing which comes from faith? By the hearing which comes from faith. Continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Apply the cross daily in your life. So the answer for all of this is the cross. Why am I saying this? That's exactly what Levi went through. Every test. Test at Mara. Test in the wilderness with the manna. Test in the wilderness with Masa and Meribah. And you know what Jesus says? I tested you at Mara. I tested you at Meribah. One thing you did. We don't know exactly what their decisions were. But their heart was for God. And when the opportunity presented itself, whoever is on the Lord's side, come. They made a decision to follow the Lord. So what will they, what will they teach? Verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 33. He teaches your children, Jacob, precepts and your law to Israel. So what, what does God give him? He gives him the Gift of teaching people. He offers incense before you. What is incense? Intercession. And whole burnt offerings before your altar. What is that? Intercession again. And verse 11. Bless his substance. Your answer. Can you put NIV here and we will stop. Bless all his skills. Thank you, Jesus. Bless all his skills. Oh Lord. And be pleased with the work of his hands. No, he was very skillful in killing people. He was very skillful in using his tongue to destroy people. Now what is he going to do? He is going to use his tongue skillfully to proclaim the word of God. Bless all his skills, O Lord, and be pleased with the 
work of his hands, first thing. Second, smite the loins of those who rise up against him. Against him. You know what, that's, what, what does that mean? Levi has been given the authority to teach the word of God skillfully. Okay, that was his ultimate purpose was to teach judgments and statutes. To teach them what is the difference between the holy and the profane. What is the difference between the clean and the unclean so that they can protect the people from the wrath of God. And they had to do it skillfully. And then he says, smite the loins of those who rise up against him. What does it mean? You know, what does it mean? Loins represent your next generation. And those who rise up against this anointed teaching, what is going to happen? Their next generation is going to be destroyed. Strike his force till their rays rise no more. So very important therefore as to how we teach ministers of God's word. That is the reason why it says, touch not my anointed and heed my prophets no harm. Bless all his skills. Oh Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. And you know what he says? Levi will have no inheritance. Whose is his inheritance? The Lord will be his inheritance. And you know something very interesting about Levi? Every time he goes, if you read the entire book of Leviticus, all the offerings, including the food offering and the sacrifices, everything, what they were supposed to do, not the burnt offerings, there was a special set of offerings where they should take part of in the Tabernacle itself. And what is every offer signifying? The life of Christ. They were supposed to eat the life of Christ more and more and more and come out and impart that knowledge to the people. That is how they used to, they are supposed to teach the law to Moses or to the people. So let's turn to Ezra chapter 7 before we leave. And verse 10. Ezra is a scribe. More. Verse 10, Ezra devoted himself to the study and the observance of the law and teaching his decrees and laws in Israel. So what, you know what the Levites were supposed to do? Eat as much as they can and then give. What were they supposed to eat? They were supposed to eat meat, not milk. If you want to teach the loss to the children of Israel, you are supposed to be partakers of meat. No, let's turn now finally to Hebrews chapter 5. And the last three or four verses. Just give me, just give me a minute and we will stop. Hebrews chapter 5 and yeah, verse 13 onwards. Uh, 12 onwards, 12 onwards, 12 onwards. Hebrews chapter 5. In fact, though by this time you ought to be Teachers, you need someone to teach the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and... You see, if you really want to be a skilled teacher, you should be eating what? Not, you're not drinking milk, but eat solid food. It's very interesting that every time you look at the Levites, whatever the offerings that they were given to him as, you know, free will offerings, that the part of it, they were, they were supposed to given, be given this part of the body and this part. They were not eat, drinking milk, they were eating solid food. In order for them to teach the life of Christ, they should eat the life of Christ themselves. They should be partakers of that. It's very interesting, the Passover lamb was eaten by every, everybody. But after the separation took place at Sinai, only the Levites are given the sacrifices, not nobody else. Only those people are supposed to eat. 
their families and even their daughters. They were given a portion. And they were eating what? Solid food. And if you have to teach your people, you should be skillful in your work. Second Timothy, uh, chapter 2 and verse 15. Chapter 2 and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you know the blessing of Levi? From being an instrument of unrighteousness, he has become an instrument of righteousness. A fierce, I mean, instruments of cruelty are in your tents. Now that you have used it on your flesh, you know what God is going to use you for? He is going to use you for teaching other people. And how are you going to teach the people? By taking part of the life of Christ yourself. You were tested in Mara. You were tested in Meribah. And finally, the test was at Sinai. And you took a stand for God. You know what God is going to, take, going to say? You will be the person who will be eating my life constant, consistently more and more and more. And you will be giving my life out to people. Not just the milk, but the meat. Not just the milk, but the meat. The question is, are we ready to be Levites? Of this order? In order to give meat to others, we ourselves are supposed to be digesting meat in our own life. The Levites were eating in the temple. They were eating the life of God. Devour this word. Eat. That's what it tells in Ezekiel. He says, when, you're, when, I, when I found your words, I ate them. And they were like, what? Honey. I found your words, O Lord, and I devoured them. That's exactly what we are supposed to do. Eat the word of God. Eat the life of Christ. And then we will teach skillfully his children, his people, laws and judgments. May the Lord bless us. To this, to this end. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. So many of us use the instruments that you have given to us on others. Father, we want to use those instruments on our own life. On our own flesh. We use our tongues. From the same mouth come both bitter, bitterness and, and, and sweetness, O oh Lord. Father, touch our tongue this morning. Touch our eyes. Father, enable them to look at things which you would allow us to look at. Enable us, Lord Father, to be ruthless with our eyes, with our ears, with our lips, with our hands with our feet. For your word says, how beautiful are those, are the, are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. Father Levite, the Levites had a chance to make a decision. And they took a decision to kill the flesh. Father, Saul had this Opportunity to, to kill the flesh. But he tolerated the flesh. 
and you ultimately rejected him, O Lord. May we be like Levi. We'll take the instruments of, 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 that you have given to us and in, instead of making them inst- as instruments of cruelty, we'll make them into instruments of righteousness and we will kill our own flesh. So that all, so that Lord, that when we are dead completely, we can be made partakers of the life of Christ. We will eat your word. We will devour your word like Ezra. And skillfully, O oh Lord, will teach your word to your people. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen.